welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. It's good to be here and to be able to share the Word of God. Our opening hymn this morning is number 281, and it says, Tell me the old, old story of unseen things above. You're a child of God this morning, then you have a testimony to give. We have a word to share, and that word is telling what Christ has done for us, what He means to us in our hearts, and that rejoicing. Let us therefore stand today as we begin our worship and praise His name.
Let's bow before the Lord, please, now in prayer and seek His face for our service today. Our loving Father, we bow in the Savior's name today, and we are thankful again for the return of the Lord's day. Father, a time that has been set aside for the opening of the Scripture, the gathering of people, the offering of prayer and praise, and Lord, to be under the teaching of the Word of the living God. This, Father, is a great privilege, a very special opportunity that we have. And let us therefore, O God, not take it for granted, but to enjoy every moment, every opportunity. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will come now in power and will open the Word to our hearts and open our hearts to the Word. Dear Father, we give thanks for our Lord Jesus Christ today and for His life of holiness and for His sacrifice that purchased our redemption, that sacrifice that made atonement for our sin. And, O oh God, today we know that because our Lord Jesus has paid that price and has risen from the dead, that we today are alive and we have the joy and the knowledge of everlasting life. And, dear God, I pray that we will in no matter what circumstances of this life, we will know that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ, and there is nothing and no one and no power that should cause us any fear or fretting. Dear Lord, help us today to stand in those promises and to stand in those possessions that we have in Jesus and that, Lord, we are not fighting to obtain eternal life, but we are to live now in the joy and peace and security of that life that we have. Lord, we pray today that we would not be cast down or cast aside, that the devil's temptations that are brought against us, we would not fall to them. But Lord, we pray for the high wall of the fire of God to be around us. Indeed, the angel of the Lord encamping round about us. Dear Lord, encourage our hearts today and give us, we pray, the answers to our prayers, the joy of Christ in our hearts. Remember, Lord, this day, those that are grieving the loss of dear loved ones. We remember again our sister Serene. We ask for your hand to be upon her and to help her in the loss of her dear aunt. We do pray today for her uncle in hospital, in hospice care, that you would watch over him and bless him. We ask today, Lord, for your hand upon Mrs. Hamilton, we pray for our brother John Bodner. Lord, in this time of life where they are in great need of the Spirit's comfort and strength, bless them and help them today. Remember our sister Isabel 
in hospital as she recovers from her surgery. Lord, put your hand upon her and cause the bones to knit properly and rightly, and may she be back on her feet very, very soon. We pray your blessing upon our brother Ted as well. Remember Richard Teo, Ron, and Lord, the others that are sick or elderly, whatever their situation might be, may they know the joy and the peace of God. And Lord, we ask for your healing touch to be upon them and to raise them to a measure of health and strength according to your will. So, Lord, bless us now today. We give thanks for this time that we are marking and remembering as Father's Day. And, Lord, we are thankful for the influence, the godly influence of the fathers that have been influencing our lives. And, dear Lord, we pray that we would ourselves, in that capacity, that we would be an example to our own families. We would be an example to those that we have any influence over, and it would be a godly, positive influence. Lord, hear our prayer today. Pour out Your Spirit upon us. Remember us in the needs that we have in our city in our province and nation. And, O Lord, help us in our time, and have mercy, O God, in a time where judgment is ripe. Lord, we are thankful for the outreach at the Highland Creek yesterday, and we pray that every gospel tract, every children's book, every Bible that was given out and even all of the bottles of water, Lord, with the gospel text on it, Father, bring in a harvest of souls to Christ as a result of those efforts yesterday. Lord, hear our prayer. Receive our thanksgiving now, and continue with us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Psalm 42, we're going to continue in our praise to the Lord. Psalm 42, the psalms are at the back of our hymnal and the words behind me on the screen. Let's stand please to praise the Lord.
Now, please turn in your Bibles with me now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. We're reading the first 16 verses. You will know that this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and these are the words that our Lord Jesus taught. And seeing the multitude, He went up into a mountain, and when He was set, His disciples came unto Him. And He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The Lord bless His Word to our hearts today. We want to welcome you this morning to our service. And if you are visiting with us for the first time or you've come back again, those viewing our service online today, you're very, very welcome today. And as we take a moment and acknowledge Father's Day today, we give a warm welcome to our fathers and grandfathers and any great-grandfathers that may be with us this morning. You are very, very welcome. And we hope and trust that today will be a special day for you as you are honored and recognized, and we trust God would encourage your heart and strengthen you. We do have a little gift with a Scripture verse on it for our men today. As you leave the service, you'll be able to take one of those little flashlights 
that has on it the verse of Scripture from Matthew 5 that we've been thinking about today. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want you to remember, please, in prayer, our sister Isabel Glynn. A couple of days ago, Isabel was in her home and she tripped on a piece of carpet and went down on her hip and broke her hip. And so the emergency services were called and they came and took her to the hospital. And she underwent surgery. Well, it was yesterday, the day before, in the morning, in the evening time. And uh, anyway, she is recuperating now, comes safely through her surgery, and is recuperating in North York General Hospital. And I want you to remember, Ted, also in your prayers, well, as um, Ted has not been, been giving himself his own uh, diabetic injections, Isabel, being a nurse for her whole career, she's been responsible for doing that. And so her great concern when she fell in the hospital was who's going to look after Ted, take care of him? Well, we appreciate our brother George and Linda have been able to give assistance there in the family, and uh, that's encouraging. And then also uh, her, uh, Ted's brother has also been able to step in and give some help and assistance while Isabel's been in the hospital. So we just ask for your continued prayers for them at this particular time. Yesterday was the funeral service for Mrs. Lung, Serene's aunt, and we ask you to continue to remember that family in prayer and also as we've been praying for Serene's uncle, that he would also know help. He is in palliative care now as his situation has worsened, but do remember him and the rest of their family, please, before the Lord. Great rejoicing and encouragement from the Highland Creek Outreach Festival yesterday and the great number of people who were involved in that. Thanks to our brother Kingsley Jew and to Christine for their investment in that time in preparation and in all of the children's books that Christine put together to give out to the boys and girls. And there was a little competition for them. If they answered a Bible question, they were able to get a bag of potato chips. And all of those went. And there was good response. All of the literature that was brought was all distributed. And uh, the bottles of water with the gospel text on them and the little cards that had spoke about Jesus being the water of life. Well, there were over 200 bottles of water and they all went as well. So that was a very positive thing in many respects. And we ask now that you would pray for the gospel that has gone out there, that uh, all the personal conversations and all the tracts and Bibles and the children's books and the magazines well, the Lord would prosper and bless all of those areas of outreach. Thank you also to the Matthew family, for they provided some snacks and lunch for the people who were there. And people came at different times, some early in the morning. They came and went, and then others came and went. And so it was a very great encouragement. Thank you to everyone who was participating in that outreach yesterday. 
Let's please continue to hold up and remember all of the sick ones in our congregation, those who have deeds, and pray that the Lord's hand would be upon them. As you know, we have been thinking and praying about our brother Frank Diderno, who will be going down to Fredericton uh, to establish or to continue on the work there in Fredericton as an intern minister from our congregation, going there really as uh, pioneering a work again. And so we ask you to remember our brother Frank Diderno and his wife Clarissa in your prayers. We want to have a sending service for them before they travel down about the second week of September. So we're going to have that in the last Lord's Day of August. It'll be August 27th. We'll have an evening service that will be devoted to praying for our brother and his family and praying for the work that he's going to do down there. And there will be a fellowship time after that. That's an advance notice, but I wanted you to think about that. And also let you know that the session and board have established a ministerial fund that is going to be set aside for earmarking some of your extra donations, specifically toward assisting and helping our brother Diderno and the work that he's going to do there. It will be a very important one. And also, because we also have our brother Daniel Simon who has now come under care of ministry, going into full-time service, and will be beginning his studies in the month of September. The board also wanted to establish a separate fund for our brother as well under the ministerial training program. And so if you would like to donate something specifically, you could mark your offering envelope, either Frank DiDerno or Fredericton, or you could put down Daniel Simon and ministerial training and we will see that those funds are directed to those specific accounts. It gives you an opportunity to get behind these families, let them know that you're not just encouraging them by prayer, but you're also encouraging them in a practical way, and that would be an encouragement to them as well. Remember, please, our ministry that's going on today at 5.50. We have our pre-service prayer time, and then at 6.30 our evening service. Now, following the service tonight, there will be the Pregnancy Care Center meeting for the volunteers that would like to come forward for that, and you'll be meeting in the uh, counseling room. And we also want to have a meeting for the Young Adult Conference that's coming up in August. That will be the committee members for that conference. We'll meet in the fellowship room just out here down the hallway to your right after the evening service as well. Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30. And then on Thursday night, there is the graduation service. Now, that is not this week. Is it this week? It is this week. I'm getting my, my dates in order here. The grade 8 graduation will be on Thursday night of this week. And then on Friday night, it will be the graduation for our collegiate. So it's going to be a very exciting and a busy and action-packed week. Please continue in your prayers for all of these meetings and all of the 
uh, background organization and preparation that has to be done for that. And to top it all off, I will be traveling on Friday morning heading to Vancouver for the ordination of our brother Andrew Fitton as he'll be installed as the new minister in the Cloverdale congregation. So, be traveling out Friday and then have the meeting Friday night. I hope to see Brother Steve Kelly on Friday night, Sister Carol as well, and then traveling back here on Saturday to be back for our Lord's Day services next week. So, it's a busy time, and we need your prayers for the Lord's help in all of these details. One advanced uh, notice that we'd like to leave with you, and that has to do with July the 1st, which is Canada Day. And that time, we're going to be having a barbecue here in our church, and we'll give you details of the time. It will be a lunch, an opportunity to invite a neighbor or a friend, someone who doesn't normally go to church, bring them along and introduce them to our ministry here. We're going to sing again number 730, O Lord, behold us at Thy feet. And we will stand pleased to sing. to have one more hymn, chorus, at this time, and it's one that some of you may be familiar with, Be an Example, Be an Example. We're going to remain seated as we sing this one.
Turn now, please, in your Bibles to Psalm 44. Psalm 44, as you are turning up there, I just want to let you know that someone lost a pair of glasses, reading glasses, and they were found outside on the road in front of the church, just on the outside the front door. If they're yours, they'll be at the back. You can pick them up a little later. Psalm 44, verse 1. We have heard with our ears, O God, Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old. How thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, Neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor upon them. Thou art my King, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name, will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But Thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise Thy name forever. Selah. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, as we have this Word open now, we pray that its truth will be written on our hearts. Give strength for the ministry today. We do not depend on the arm of our flesh. We look, O God, to the Holy Spirit and for the promised Comforter to come to give power that is necessary, power that we do not have ourselves. And dear Lord, come near us, I pray today. Strengthen me to be able to speak the Word of God with clarity and the authority of heaven. Father, hear our prayer and draw near now and write the truth upon every heart. For we pray 
these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Fathers, speak well of God. That's the title of this word today. And we're looking at Psalm 44 and verse 1. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work Thou didst in their days, in the times of old. In a day when the nature and dignity of fatherhood and manhood, masculinity, have been bartered away like some worthless trinket in a back street garage sale, it is vitally necessary to reemphasize their inherent value. In this day of feminism and emaciated manhood, when to have a sense of honor in being a man and a father, we must not be swept away by the trendy currents of liberal, God-hating, gender-confused, and woke-styled intellectualism that calls virtually everything that God declares true as bad, and everything God declares evil is called good. We are living in one of the most, if not the most, confused generations in human history. The reason I say this is because in other ages, though evil and great evil existed, it abounded in godless, hedonistic civilizations, or even in uncivilized, cannibalistic tribes. They at least knew the difference between a man and a woman. And they could make that distinction without any ambiguity. But the madness of our day, it states that there are multiple genders and self-expressions declaring that you can be a boy today, a girl tomorrow, and a cat the next day, or a mixture of all in one. And it seems that the more bizarre the deception is promoted, the more convinced they are that it is true. What is the root of this self-deception? Where has all this come from in our day? I will tell you, friend, it is 
based in a wholesale rejection of the Word of God as the absolute standard of morality, of reality, and of truth. And God has given over a society to a reprobate mind. We are living in perilous days today. We are living in troublous times. A time when the Word of God becomes a rare thing. The Old Testament uses the word precious. It's a word that simply means it is on the list of those things that are either banned or ignored or forgotten altogether. So if there has ever been a time, a generation, where we are standing in need of revival of biblical thinking and an open declaration of godly manhood, it is now. And therefore, we must beware that we are not pulled into the mindset that, well, it's just the way it is today, and we can't do anything about it. Christian, let that not be in your thinking. But rather, in our thinking, it needs to be that we will call upon our God, and that the standard will be raised and that there will be a declaration of truth from the mouths, from the lives, from the ministry of faithful preachers and faithful people in God's work. It's not a day when we should be content with just realizing or saying, well, we can't do anything about it. We must speak the truth, and we must declare that which is right. We must teach our young men what it is to be a man, a biblical man. We must teach this generation of young people that what God has given to us in His Word from the creation model, it must be declared and maintained. And we must not be overwhelmed by the confusion that is being promoted today and accepted as reality. This is the heart of the Word that we have for fathers and for men today. This testimony that the psalm writer recorded we have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work Thou didst in their days, in the times of old. And what we want to draw from that and the lessons we must learn from it, that every father and every man, we would take serious admonition to reflect and promote the Word of truth in our day, in our family, in our church, in our society, and most definitely men, in our own relationship before God.
That's where it all must start. May God help us to be fathers who will speak well of God. We learn, number one, a father's faithful communication of truth. A father's faithful communication of truth. The word that we are given in verse 1 is the word our fathers have told us. The word told, it is a word that communicates any method of making something known. So it's much more than just the audible. It's going to be the spoken communication, definitely. It's going to be also included in that the written Word of God. But when you combine those two things together, we have most definitely the living example that must come from the life Because if there is a spoken word and a written word, but it does not converge and agree with the public testimony, then, friends, something is wrong. And a father's faithful communication of truth, that's where it's going to start. Many things are told that may be somewhat less than truthful, And people put it down to either imagination or maybe a sanctified imagination when it comes perhaps to declaring the size of the fish that was caught on that fishing trip. Or more so, the size of the fish that got away that was almost brought in the boat. And you've all heard similar stories about that. I've been driving down the highway in the car passing by some swampy area, and there's a declaration that comes from the car. There's a bear! I'm sure of it. And uh, on at least one occasion, maybe more, the car was made to turn around and go back to look, and only to find it was, instead of a bear sitting in the water, it was a big black stump. And that's all that there was. So sometimes the words and the expressions, uh, they are communicated more with exaggeration or at least sanctified imagination. But friends, when we are dealing with the most serious matters of God's Word, it is important that we as fathers, as men, that there is an obedient testimony, an expression of faithfulness to God, an obedient testimony. Obedience to God's, to God and His Word, it must be a priority in our lives. And every man claiming to be a born-again believer in Christ, well, we have to be obedient servants of the Master. To say that we are saved and we've been changed by divine grace, and yet We give no evidence of this in real terms or real time that there's been a change. At best, we will dishonor the Lord 
by such a confusing testimony will dishonor Christ. But at worst, it is a denial of Him. When we say that we are followers of God, when we say we have been born again by the Spirit of the Lord, and there is not the evidence of that being worked out in our own lives, then, my dear friends, there is a problem. It may well be just sheer hypocrisy. The implication for the writer of this psalm, it was that the words that were told to them were true, and they were counted so, and that they were pressed upon them to obey them. It wasn't a case where the Word was spoken, we would accept it as being true, but it does not affect the life. No. It was in the telling, in the hearing of the Word, there was a reception of that Word being pressed upon the mind, pressed in the heart. It wasn't an option. It wasn't a sort of a take-it-or-leave-it situation. No, it was to be willingly embraced. For if it had not been gripped and obeyed, then it only proved that there was a hardness of heart and a stiffness of neck, a stubbornness against God and His Word. You will know the account of the prophet Samuel before King Saul, after Saul had impatiently offered a sacrifice when he was supposed to wait for Samuel to come. He had no permission to make that sacrifice. It was against God's order. And that his disobedience to God even though he was sincere or he had ulterior motives, he had good reason for doing it, he thought, Samuel declared to him by the Holy Spirit, to obey God is better than offering sacrifices and to listen, to hearken to God. It's better than offering the fat of rams, of animals. 1 Samuel 15.22 A father's faithful communication of God's Word, it starts with his own actions of obedience. Flagrant or semi-justifiable behavior against the Word of God will always end up in shame. Shame to self, shame to God, and a loss of testimony to others that often can't be regained. If we call for our children to obey us, then we had better be subject to the authority of God in our personal lives. The old saying, you've heard it before, do as I say, but not as I do is tantamount mount to the most egregious offense against God. 
How can we possibly say to someone else, I'm telling you what to do, but I'm not going to follow and do the same myself. And this word comes to preachers most heartily. Because preachers who always are the ones who are telling, instructing, informing, encouraging other people to follow God's Word. But if we, if I, do not live up to, do not follow the very Word that I am preaching, there is great confusion, great hypocrisy, and great foolishness as I try to stand before God and speak the truth and say what is right in our time. And so I need to be sure, by God's grace, that I am not saying, do as I say, but not as I do. Let my actions be equal to my words. Let your words and actions be equal also. Fathers, the influence you have in your families to your children, if it is not that way, then your children will lose respect for you. They will cast aside the words that you speak, and they will reject the God that you say you believe in. We sang just before the sermon started, many now are watching the footsteps that we take. Many soon will follow in the choices that we make. So let us then be faithful to be what we should be and leave a good example that they can clearly see. So, a faithful father, a godly man, will have an obedient testimony and he will have a personal testimony. The psalm writer said, what God did in their days. So he is speaking from his vantage point about his father and his father's father, the heritage of people. And he's talking and saying about what his father said to him and his father said to him. And he is talking about what God did in their days. Because what God did in their days, we might hopefully, respectfully, joyfully, and confidently assume He will do in our days We are calling upon the God of our fathers. We're calling upon those that have gone before us and have paved the way. They have cut the path through the forest. And we are walking on that path. And now it has become a highway. When we recount what God has done for His people in other ages, both in salvation in reviving, in giving increase at the times when He has brought correction and reproof, even when we read and know of miracles that have happened. Either it is personally received and applied, or it becomes just a, something like a monument, a monument of history, 
Maybe we would revere that monument. Maybe it would be respected, sometimes memorialized, but not taken into the reality of the present experience. Do you remember when the Lord was dealing with the Pharisees? And He brought them right to the point of their hypocrisy when they were building up the sepulchers of the prophets that their forefathers had murdered and killed because the prophets had spoken God's truth. Well, we don't want to be doing that type of thing. We don't want to memorialize something just because a man was faithful many years ago. We want to imbibe the truth and capture the spirit and the heart of the very truth that was being presented. My dear brethren, it must come into the present experience in our lives We cannot live in the history. We cannot live in what God did in those lives. But we must see it and realize it in our own hearts today. The Holy Spirit records in Scripture many instances of the people called to remember the former days. The days of old. To recall what God did in delivering Israel out of the bondage of their enemies all around them. And God calls us to remember the great things, the great things that He has done for us. And what is the greatest thing that our Lord has done for us? It is, my dear friends, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we consider and think of the value and the weight and the greatness of the work that our Lord Jesus did on the cross. He lived for us and He died for us. And looking back, the Lord has done all these things. It is good reason for us to look forward to what He is going to do for us according to all of His promises. He has given us His holy Word. And we have His Word in our hands today. And if you are born again of the Spirit, then you have His Word in your heart this morning. And you can rejoice in that. I want to say to you how valuable it is to read the biographies of those who have served God and have proved Him. Often, In their lives, they took new ground. They were spreading the Word of God. And they suffered great trials in the midst of it all. They were afflicted. They were persecuted. And they were persecuted because they wanted to see the Word of God promoted. They wanted to see their Lord Jesus Christ exalted. And they went and suffered, some of them, to a martyr's death. And in that very death, God delivered them from that present evil age they were living in. Yes, friends, we don't look forward to a martyr's death, but God crowns His people with that type of death when He delivers them from the present evil and ushers them into glory, into His presence. 
And we can be encouraged in our day to take our stand for righteousness and truth, to be familiar with the history that God has given to us, to give attendance to reading as we are exhorted by the Apostle Paul, and not to let our minds turn into just jelly, not to be always just sitting to be informed by visual stimulation, but to be educating and informing ourselves on what God has done for us. The Bible records in Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith, the heroes of faith, the great victories that these saints of old obtained through faith. But the afflictions they endured, they are also given to us. We read of those who through faith endured subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises and they stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong. They waxed valiant in the fight. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and all these having obtained a good report through faith. And they are given as examples by the Holy Spirit for us. Yes, my friends, they had a personal testimony. They conveyed God's truth to the next generation. And we are called to do the same thing, living for God now and conveying His truth to the future. But their testimony was not just an obedient one and a personal one. It was a comprehensive testimony. It was one that was all-inclusive. It was one that captured all that God had for them to convey in that testimony. And if the Word of God is going to be faithfully transmitted, it must be more than something just superficial in our lives. Training children in the ways of God, it involves not only rehearsing past accounts of God, not just listening to what the fathers have told us in the past and of the great wonders He has done, but it means taking seriously the command to train up a child in the way that they should go. For the Lord has promised that when they are old, they will not depart from it. And this responsibility, it rests upon the parents 
and ultimately upon the Father. God has made the husband and the father the head of the home. And God will hold us accountable. It's not good enough, you know, to leave that communication of truth to mothers. But sadly, in many Christian homes, that has been done. Fathers have allowed the mothers or Sunday school teachers or some other care providers to do the job? How many fathers have deserted the post when it comes to this? They've been declared AWOL, away without leave, just left the training of their family to someone else. One of the greatest calamities in our society is the absence of fathers in the lives of their sons and their daughters. Too busy, too tired, too over-entertained, negligence, or just pure lazy. Fathers, what is it with us? Whatever the excuse, you know, God has heard them all before. He knows them all. What is needed? I'll tell you what is needed in the first place would be confession of sin. It needs to be an open heart before God. A returning to our first love. Does that word that the Lord spoke to the Ephesian church apply to us fathers, to men today in our congregation? If you're listening online, does it apply to you? Search your own heart. I must search my own heart. Let the Holy Spirit do that deep work. And don't, my dear friend, just brush it aside. Turn it off. Let somebody else. It applies to others, but not to me. There must be a consistency of life, a consistency of devotions to God, a consistency of the Scripture in the heart, mind, soul, of praying, of leading by example. There must be a memorization of the Word of God in our own hearts, a structured teaching by example and precept. And there must be, my dear friends, summing it all up, a loving example of Christ seen in us. And how we have failed in that way. How all of us have failed in that, in that final point. And all of them for that matter. But we look unto the Lord... And dear brother, if your heart today is a heart on fire for God, a heart that at least desires to be on fire for God, a heart that desires to be that living example of Christ seen in us and through us, then begin by praying about it. Begin by asking the Lord to do that grace in your own heart. 
and come to confess to the Lord and pray that you'll return to the first love and pray that you'll have consistency in your own walk with God and that you will hide His truth in your soul and that there will be the loving example of Christ in order to teach our children, our family in the right way. Yes, there must be an obedient testimony and a personal one and a comprehensive testimony. Must also be a recognizing the indispensable value of the old paths. Look what he said. He said, the work that God did in their days And the last phrase, in the times of old. In the times of old. Aren't we in a situation today of so-called enlightened thinking? We're so enlightened today that we're in a time called the cancel culture. The cancel culture is a folly that believes that anything that is not politically correct according to the dogmas of the left-wing thinking people, idealist, it's deemed offensive and it must be erased from society. So from monuments to history books, to street names, including redefining the very meaning of common words in order to promote that agenda. This modern mind is constantly in search of the new and the exciting and the progressive and the contemporary. Groundbreaking medicine, something new, perhaps a morality without any borders. Now, the problem is not that advances have been made in science or in learning, because we can rejoice and be thankful that God raised up an Isaac Newton, a God-fearing man whom the Lord used to make great advances in science. We don't bemoan the advances in medicine. We are thankful for it and we'll take benefit of it. And industry and communication, the fact that we can have our communication going out across the world through the internet. All of these things can be taken and used. The trusted principles, though, of decency and morality and the fear of God These things have been set aside. And those that are called the old paths, they have been rejected. The old truths of biblical Scripture, of teaching. This does not mean that we are not to use all of the benefits that we have around us. We are to remember that these means have been provided by God for the promotion of His Word And it's by and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the faithful adherence to biblical truth 
grasping what God has revealed in His Word and applying those lessons learned from His unchanging and holy Word. That's where we are to stand and to be. My dear friends, change for the sake of change or change that is based on a faulty foundation is always going to turn out rotten. It's going to go wrong. God calls His people to walk in the old paths. The old paths of righteousness. The old paths of truth that is unchanging. The old paths of integrity and of love. A love for all and everything that converges on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our heart is to be. And that's what we are called to be. In the cross of Christ I glory, towering over the wrecks of time. Yes, we must recognize the indispensable value of the old paths and not be distracted, not be derailed by all of the other information that's going on today. But there also must be, dear friends, an honest accounting. You've heard of the term <clears throat> smoke and mirrors. It refers to kind of a circus thrill show where magicians would do their tricks and they would have some smoke coming up or they would put a mirror here or a mirror there and it would make the illusion that that which is untrue is true. So the old idea of smoke and mirrors is to try to trick somebody to go down the wrong path and to believe something that is not right. For the godly father, honesty is, is, not, is not the best policy. Honesty is the only policy for the God-fearing man. And my dear friends, if we do not have an honest accounting before God and before one another in our family, then there will be problems that grow out of that exponentially. That is the first point of the message this morning. And I want to leave you very briefly, I, I, I assure you, the second point, which is this. It is the obligation to willingly respond. The opening line and the phrase of the sum of the verse says, we have heard with our ears. We have heard with our ears. That expression was not just common in the Old Testament, but it was also common in the New. For the Lord Jesus said oftentimes, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so we have heard with our ears. It simply means that we are going to not just hear it in one ear and out the other, but we're going to let it come into our heart. We're going to take it into our life. We have heard with our ears is a message that what the fathers told us we knew was the Word of God, how they instructed us. We're not just going to allow it to be 
outside information. We're going to take it, and we are going to receive it, and we're going to act upon it. It was not given merely to decorate the people. It was not given merely to support some cause, but it was given to effect change in the life, to call us to obedience to God's law and to be conformed to His image. When we listen and obey God's Word and that which has been communicated to us by faithful servants, and we speak that word without compromise, then we can truly say we are hearing with our ears because from our ears the conduct is worked out in our life. It has come into our heart. It's changed us. And it's by sovereign and divine grace that that Word has been applied and has been changed. But friend, if you're here today and you're not a believer, if you don't know Christ as your own, then you cannot begin to respond and follow God in obedience. No, you must come to trust in Him as your own personal Savior. Have you done that today? Do you know Him as your own? I pray that before this service ends, before this day goes into eternity, that you will know that you are born again of the Spirit of God. But what if you have to honestly say today, as we've been thinking about fathers and the conveying of information from them, what if you have to say, I never had a father that was godly. Or maybe I had a father that was compromised. You can't make excuse about that because you've had others who've had instructed you and shown you the way of Christ. And therefore I say to you, don't blame others for where you are today, but rather receive what God has given to you and repent of your sins and receive the Gospel. And then you make sure that you are a faithful conveyor of truth to others. Yes, my dear friends, we are called to follow Him. And even if you have a mother or a father that is an unbeliever, maybe not following the Lord at all, it doesn't mean you totally disrespect them. If you are a believer today, then we are called by God to honor our fathers and our mothers for it is the first commandment that was given with a promise. And the Lord Jesus Christ exalted that commandment. The Apostle Paul exalted that. We've been told to keep to the Word of God and to these commandments. And we must honor our fathers. As we conclude the message today, I leave with you four simple thoughts. And the first one is this that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So if we're going to take the Word that has been spoken by Scripture, through the Scripture, by the Spirit, conveyed by those that have gone in the past, we must accept that by faith and we will therefore go forward and be changed by the faith that God has given to us through His Word. We must secondly... Beware of distractions. 
that drown out God's voice. There are many. We know them. They come to us every day. There are so many distractions. Some of them are bad. You leave them completely aside. But some of them are maybe okay. And we have to be careful that we keep our focus and keep on the track and that we are not distracted. Thirdly, fathers, we must take this responsibility seriously of conveying God's Word to our families. It is a serious obligation God has placed upon us. And the last one, men, let us stand for the truth, no matter what the cost in our day. And there always will be a cost. Are we prepared to pay the price for that cost in our day? I pray that God will enable us, that He will help us. We're going to close our service by singing a hymn. Number 121. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. And then as we are being told and we have taken it in, let us be those faithful messengers to tell others. Stand please to sing 121.
Father, we're thankful today for what we have received in the Scriptures of truth, and we ask, O God, to write Your holy Word upon our hearts. Help us to be those who can echo out Thy truth, faithfully conveying its wonder, and the great wonder of salvation. Lord, part us now in Your fear, with Your blessing upon us, be with every family. Lord, speak effectually to those who are still unsaved and bring them to Jesus. Lord, hear our prayers now. We ask in His precious and holy name. Amen.